What is up, guys, and welcome to PBE Family Therapy. My name is Dr. K. I am Blow Pop. And we are really excited to be bringing you episode five. It's going to be perfect. If you don't have a plan, it can't go wrong. We've got an action-packed show for you today, starting with a check-in on the standings and league leaders. Are the San Bernardino 66ers dead? <laughs> no, they're not. But no, they're not, but they've, they've, they've been bleeding a little bit. They had a rough outing yesterday. We're also going to check in on some pretty incredible individual performances over the last week. We had, by our count, five different complete game shutout performances. Absolutely incredible. We're going to check in on our team, or, yeah, our teams and our players. Mm-hmm. Dallas has had a little bit of a rough spill, and yep. Dillos have had the same rough spill that they've had all season. Yep, and then we're going to round out the show by checking in on Blow Pop's best bets. We have already won one of the bets. Cash money, money, cash money, money, hey! Dollars. Which is super exciting. So let's jump right into, let's start with the majors standings this week. Uh, San Antonio slots still sitting in first place on top of the entire league. Yeah, they did actually have a... By their standards, another rough outing, kind of like San Bernardino did. Uh, they had, I don't think it was quite a losing day yesterday, but uh, they've had a rough couple of games against mm. specifically Death Valley. Death Valley kind of has their number, it looks like, yep. and I think it's something along the lines of like a third or a quarter of the losses they have are specifically Death Valley. Yeah, just looking at their kind of last month's schedule, it seems like instead of winning all of their series, they're kind of splitting most of the series. You know, they they split with Boise. Uh, they split with Kashima. Yeah, in a four-game series, they went two and two. Uh, I also didn't know that this league had four-game series. I thought almost all of them were two or three. Neither did I, but it looks like they've had a couple of them in the last month. A few mm -hmm. of them, yeah, they also split a four-game series with Boise. Yep. Absolutely. And then lost two of three to the Raptors, as you had mentioned, or sorry, as the uh, Scorpions. And I think the, has the third game already been finished yet or do they have the third game tomorrow? Third game has been finished. It looks like they uh, won that one six to one. Okay. Gotcha. So only yeah, taking so one of three. Rough, rough stretch by their standards, but I mean, even, even taking their lumps, they're still sitting at the top of the West and the league as a whole, as you mentioned earlier, but sniffing their tail, thanks to a couple of those series, especially the one in the head to head are the death Valley scorpions. They're sitting at a very nice 51 and 24 their last 10 games. They have won seven of them. So really surging. They're still five and a half back of the slots, but if you take a look at their wild card standing, they are 12 games above the lowest wild card. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a higher win percentage than any team other than San Antonio, even edging out the Rougarous by a little bit because they've played uh, three fewer games. So mm -hmm. we'll still have to see where they are when they catch up to Rougarous game total. But uh, they're still chugging along nicely. They're, at a, like you said, 7-3 and three in the last 10 games, so they're still comfortable. Yep. Absolutely. Looking at the other side, like you mentioned, the Rougarous are still uh... – Having a pretty healthy lead, I'd say, in the East, sitting at 52 and 26 and five and a half games above the Cancun Toros. And not only are they comfortably ahead of the Toros, they also have an aesthetically pleasing two to one win loss ratio. So I appreciate that. Very pretty. It's very nice. Yeah. Very. Uh, it means nothing, yeah. but I like it. 
it's along the lines of our brightly colored leaderboard from last year or last mm-hmm. uh, last week rather yeah yeah from the individual performances it's just yeah. that uh, the eye likes it yes yeah uh looking at uh the uh let's say the fan favorite uh final position team the kashima foxes uh had a couple more wins but their last 10 they are two of eight which is a bummer yeah and i mean Again, they've been kind of confusing this last stretch because they're still underperforming somehow, but that includes splitting a series against the best team in the league. Kind of goes to show that anyone can win on any given day, so that's why we Yeah, watch. yeah. And it's fun. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if everything see. always went as predicted, it wouldn't. There, right. there wouldn't be much point in predicting. I agree. I agree. So looking at uh, the overall playoff picture, because we are blow pop about 75% of the way through the season. We really are on the final stretch here. Which I know, like I knew going into this league that it was going to end up feeling fast and that Mm -hmm. the entire preseason, spring training, regular season, postseason lumped into one was about a two month window, Mm -hmm. but somehow it still felt faster. Like my brain just didn't register. Oh, we're going to get through the entire thing. Even though I was explicitly told we were going to get through the entire thing. Yep. We're flying right along. So as of right now, San Antonio slots still holding on to the one seed, the Rougarou is holding on to the two seed. And then for the wild card, we have it rounded out with death Valley scorpions, Cancun Toros. We've got the Raptors. And we currently have a tie between the Stars and the Voyagers, which I'm assuming if they were still tied at the end of the, the year, we'll have a you know, tiebreaker game. Right. And I don't know if it's, I don't know how the tiebreaker is decided. Is it decided by your placement in the East slash West? Is it decided by your win totals? Is it decided by head-to-head games? We'll, we'll have to find out. Well, we, we might have to find out. We'll, we'll see kind of how that all finishes you know mm-hmm. uh, but we are getting a pretty good idea of the uh the playoff picture overall we still have a couple of teams that are still within striking distance the supernova is only three and a half back of the wild card spot the aviator is only five and a half back definitely a difficult mountain to climb but it's not impossible right uh and from sarasota's point of view from what i've heard other people say mm-hmm. Even if they just barely miss out on the playoffs, they're still kind of overperforming. A lot of people were expecting them to do worse than they have been so far. So whispers around the league say that they're having a relatively up year, even if it doesn't turn into postseason success. Which one thing that's really bummer, they're very close to being in wildcard contention, and they, in their last 10 games, are one and nine. Yeah. Uh, Shooting themselves in the foot a little bit there, but, I mean, if they... If they can go one and nine after going 500 ish, then they can go nine and one. So, absolutely. Checking in on some of the leaderboards, we still have our hit streak champion from last week, who unfortunately, probably due to us highlighting him, uh, lost his hit streak. Yeah, we did doom him. That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to the owner of Henry's. I'm very sorry. I'm not. It's fun. Yep. So uh, at least he's still sitting on top of the league at a very nice 320 batting uh, batting average. Which is, I think it's interesting how there's a little bit more verisimilitude with the majors in PBE compared to the minors. Like there are some people in the minors who are still hovering around 400, whereas the majors seems like a lot more realistic bucket of numbers to pull through. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the cause of that is, but it's kind of interesting. Absolutely. Looking at the second 
player on the batting average. Stan Antonio, you want to hear a funny story that I heard this week? I do. I do. Last week we talked about, or possibly two weeks ago, how hilarious it is that Stan Antonio was was selected by San Antonio. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I learned something that sort of takes the magic away from that story. So the owner of San Antonio is the GM for the San Antonio slots. I was afraid that you were going to say that when you said you took the magic out, but uh, I mean that either way, that has a different kind of magic then then it's someone committing to the bit, which I also appreciate. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it is about, it's sort of a bummer that it didn't kind of happen organically, but I still appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a story that, you know, gets you wide eyed and full of wonder, but I can still appreciate the stick to itiveness. Yes. Absolutely. Looking at some other leaders here, Scott Poe for the San Antonio Sloths is still leading in home runs, slugging on base plus slugging and total bases. Yeah, definitely a menace at the plate. He's leading home runs by four, which isn't, you know, a monstrous margin. But I mean, either way, if you're going to have not the triple crown, but, you know, the second, third and fourth crown, that's still pretty darn good. Uh, it's kind of surprising, honestly, that he's leading in everything, considering, yes, he has 100 home run power, but uh, there are a lot of people in the league that have 100 contact. And yeah. I would just imagine there are more people who should be able to get more value just because of consistency. But apparently, what he, I, mean, I don't want to say lacks in consistency because 89 contact is still really good. Oh, but yeah. what he, quote, lacks in consistency, he can apparently make up for with just brute force by getting it over the wall. Yeah, he's sitting at 26 home runs. He also has some some extra bases, 22 doubles and a couple of triples. Um, he's sitting at a 279 average, which is not fantastic. But like you alluded to, uh, you're allowed to hit like in the 280 range if you're going to hit a projected total of the end of the year of 38 home runs. And uh, how many home runs does Wallaby need to hit in order to stay in the 205 range? Allow me to calculate here real quick. It's like 273 home runs. Oh, I just punched in the numbers and got a frowny face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the calculator just said it's not going to happen, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Gave me a pat on the shoulder. Uh, one other interesting trend that I have noticed from all of these lead leaders, mm-hmm. league leaders that we're taking a peek at here is it's a lot less. I mean, there's still a handful of San Antonio for sure, but it's a lot less San Antonio dominant. And specifically, the Death Valley Scorpions have populated the list a little bit more. Yeah, we've got leaders in runs batted in, runs stolen bases, and triples from the Death Valley Scorpions. Oh, and hits. Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, two of them are... The, the runs and stolen bases are both from Holding the Fart, mm-hmm. which just great name. I mean, you can't beat it. I would have to assume he's got a pretty decent batting average then as well. And Oh, yeah, it looks like he does. 280 as well so yep. you know get himself on base get himself in scoring position doing all he can and uh the valley scorpions are the second i believe highest total tpe team so there's a lot of bats that can get him home after that absolutely looking at like james love for the scorpions is sitting at 74 rbi also andrew arum arum is sitting at 90 hits mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty great and then elliot's is sitting at seven triples i think i saw on one of the recent streams that it's lefave lefave i think so because i i want to say they were talking about uh 
a Dodgers player mm-hmm. of your that had that or something. Oh, I also didn't notice that Holden Holden the Fart has a third category to himself with uh, caught ah. stealing as well. So <laughs> good. Not the best category to have, but I'm interested to look at his page because not only, as you mentioned, is he a fantastic uh, name, but also it's very interesting. He is a kind of a stealing machine and he's a DH. Right. Yeah. Usually in my head, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate, but just Mm -hmm. like as a kid, when I thought about designated hitters, I always had just like the big beef ball who would go in and swat hard you know like designated hitters and first basemen and catchers were kind of like physiologically the same to me where it was just somebody like a ryan howard goes up to the plate and the pitcher has to throw the ball at him right and gets punished yep or like a, a nelson cruz or a big poppy at the end of his career it's kind of the big guy right right absolutely so looking at holding a fart uh, it's pretty pretty interesting page, uh, given that so it looks like he was not doing super hot for most of his career, and then he got to the Death Valley Scorpions and just took off with a 3.0 war in 2038 and a 2.7 war in 2039. Yeah, and I would I don't know this for certain. Obviously, I'm just pulling something out of yep. who knows where. But I mean, he's got a hundred contact, and he's got eighty plus at least 80 in speed stealing and base running. So I feel like part of the reason that he's so valuable is because death Valley scorpions are great and he's very consistent at just getting to the bag. And if he can get on first base and there's other people behind him, who are going to be able to slap him home. Yep. Or even get him onto first steal second, wait for, you know, one of the doubles or the triples from his right. Uh, from yeah. Team. I mean, being, being a league leader in steals, if you can get yourself to second base, that there's a lot of, you know, RBI singles that can come from that. And we, we poked fun at him for having, you know, leading the league in caught stealing as well, but 51, 17, that's, I mean, that's a three to one ratio. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty fantastic. I wonder if there's like a, uh, stealing percentage leaders on here. Uh, well, at the very least, we know his is 75, which I feel like that's, that's pretty solid. Not too bad. I'll take it. Uh, looking at some of the other leaders, I think it always is interesting to check in on war. Marcus Reeves is leading the league with a 4.9 war, uh, followed closely by Stan Antonio at a 4.8. Right. And war to some extent is just kind of like a diet MVP. So we'll probably see a couple of these people in the discussion at the end of the year. Absolutely agreed. Should we check in on the pitchers? Sure thing. Uh, pitchers, we still have Jose 43 leading the league with a 1.77 ERA. I think that dropped. I think he was like 183 last time. Maybe. Ooh, but yeah. uh, I think you were correct. Looking at his game log, at least back on the 18th of August, he was sitting at a 1.85. And now we've gone okay. down to 177. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's extra intimidating as someone who is currently managing a player who sucks at batting. So um, <laughs> this is doubly fearsome. Yeah, it looks but like I mean, he... Go ahead. He's got 95 stuff, 79 yep. movement, 86 control. So, I mean, the stuff is, you know way up there but the other two aren't as astoundingly high so it's Mm -hmm. 
all the more impressive that with one powerhouse stat and two very respectable stats, mm-hmm. he's still able to be so dominant on the mound. And he's got a pretty impressive five-pitch repertoire looking at a sinker, curveball, circle change, screwball, and a knuckle curve, which is super fun. Ooh. So those uh, ratings are kind of all over the place from 43 all the way up to his uh, creme de la creme is a circle change at a 96. Okay. And I know, uh, obviously I don't know too much about pitchers because I've never played one, but you play one. I know if you want to purchase and unlock a fourth pitch, it mm-hmm. costs 50. Does yep. unlocking a fifth pitch also cost 50? I don't know if it scales up or if it stays the same. That's a really good question though. A mystery we will take to our graves. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, nobody will ever discover the answer to this question. <laughs> Especially not Jose43, who already purchased it. Oh, man. Looking at his uh, his 1.77 ERA, that also gives him a 226 ERA plus, which is pretty nuts. He has a 1.05 whip and a 2.03 fit, which is just nasty. Yeah, and I mean, he's got 81 and a third innings pitch, so it's not like this is a minuscule sample size. Even this guy has, he's put in his work on the mound. He's done his due diligence. He's, I was going to say he's taken his lumps, but I guess he hasn't. Yeah. I am curious to see his career total so far, because he has been playing in the pros since 2031 and has basically been dominant pretty much the entire time. Uh, He's sitting at a 3.28 career ERA, which is 136. Oh, which is pretty nice. And he has already accrued 24 and a half war over his career. And I mean, even just looking at his quote, worst season, uh, 2033, he had an ERA of 4.6 and that's the only time he's even been above four. So that's, that's very much an outlier. So is his current season because before this current season, he'd never dipped below 2.57. So, you know, two different anomalies bookending the rest of his career, but, uh, it's kind of cool to be watching the the good anomaly yeah for real and i'm guessing 24.5 total war for a career will probably put him uh in the hall of fame discussion at least i'm not sure what the totals are uh for the current hall of famers but i feel like we're probably watching a hall of fame career unfold very possible uh i mean we're probably watching a lot of them. We just don't yeah. necessarily know how to identify them. I also don't know how aggressively the GMs or voting committee or whoever's in charge. I, I don't know how aggressively PBE puts people in. Is it like sure. a one or two per year or is it just anybody that they really like? You know, That's a great question. And I don't know how it goes. I know there is a Hall of Fame committee uh, that is run by actual people that vote on it, but I don't know what their kind of standards are. Right. Yeah. But uh, checking back in with some of the pitchers. Um, got uh, Potato still rocking the saves, sitting at mm-hmm. 20 saves. So still first. Yep. And we still have our boy Atsuko Rune from Kashima mm-hmm. leading with four leading categories. Yep. One of which is losses, but we'll ignore that. I mean, yeah, you, you can't you can't pitch the fielders around you. You can only put the ball over the plate. And that's why Atsuko Rune has a 9.1 strikeout to walk ratio and only one walk per nine innings. Oh, <laughs> uh, which is just ridiculous. Uh, also ridiculous. Molly Mitchell for the Detroit demons 
still leading in strikeouts, sitting at 165. Second is all the way down at 142. Right. The margin between first and second is what's scary about that list. I don't I don't know. I don't know how to register the 165 total necessarily, <laughs> but if you look at the difference between Molly and second place, that gap of what is it, 23? Yeah. Yep. If you go from second place down 23, it encompasses at least through seventh place, and we can't even see the rest of the list. So the gap between most strikeouts and second most is larger than between second and seventh. So that's horrifying. Uh, she's on pace for a 234 strikeout season overall, which I think is still less than the all-time record for a single season. Um, let me pull that up real quick just to see how far off of it she is. Strikeouts is 249. Right, so definitely would have to pick up the pace. I have to assume all of those records are also um, limited to regular season, just for fairness sake. I would assume so. I think that's just the, just the regular season. Yeah, but she's definitely on pace to be on the list. So, yeah, absolutely. I also never realized Shane Green, who has the record of most strikeouts in a season, is a and a currently active player for the Death Valley Scorpions. Oh, well, how about that? I also have noticed that both Shane Green and Molly Mitchell have mm. one hundred out of one hundred in stuff, mm. which is pretty so. good. Maybe maybe stuff equals strikeouts. Yeah, stuff is like the amorphous, like how good are you? <laughs> it's such a hard thing to define, not only in the game, but also just in like baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, I love how loosey-goosey the term is, like movement, control, change-up. Like all of those are like, I get it, but then just stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man, she's just got it. <laughs> Whatever it is, as you. We go on to the minors. Yes, indeed. Uh, Let's check out the standings. Right. So, as we said, San Bernardino 66ers are dying. Yep. They are only 19 wins better than the <laughs> Armadillos in second place. So, uh, you know, we're coming. Yep. It is going to happen with only about 25 games left. And uh, your Dallas Dynamos are still technically holding the lead in the East Division, but yeah. something happened this last week. Yeah, the Dynamos had a rough go. We're sitting at three out of the last ten have we won, and it's uh, we're sitting all the way down at five hundred. Yeah, I think you guys were in like the six fifty range mm -hmm. earlier. Um, I remember one of the nights that I was updating my betting spreadsheet. Uh, you guys had lost nine of your previous, or no, you had lost 10 of your previous 11, I think it was. Yeah, to give you an idea of our month to month, in April, three and three, which is respectful. Uh, May was 11 and five. June is 13 and five. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Really great. Our July was five and 12, and our August mm -hmm. was another five and 12, mm -hmm. which just really sucks. But it's, you know, it's it's what it is. It's you know, a slide, when a slide happens in OTP, oftentimes it's hard to break out of that slide. Sure, yeah. And who knows, maybe there's just the, the pitching rotation was gassed for a few games or something mm -hmm. like that. There's a lot of external variables that might impact things. 
Yeah, so looking at the standings, I'm kind of uh, taken aback by the stark difference between the West and the East division. In the West, we've got the 66ers who are way far ahead, ahead by 19, 21, and 22 games respectively, whereas the East division is wide open. We've got the Dynamos at 500, and they're only ahead by two, three, and five games. Right. And I think the biggest reason for that is specifically the San Bernardino 66ers, because whenever there's an internal game, if a West plays a West, yep. someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. But the bulk of the time that San Bernardino plays against any of the four teams from the East, the West is going to leech wins away from the East. Absolutely. So. I, I think it's also interesting in a league that is so small with only eight teams, it's easier to see that balance because obviously that that balance principle that we're talking about is present in like the MLB with 30 teams. Right. You just don't notice it as much with larger sample. Yeah. If the Dodgers go and play across the aisle, then they're likely to take a couple from the other side of things, but there's way more teams and there's more games. So yep. it's a drop in a bucket. Yep. Absolutely. Looking in on the league leaders. We've got uh, your homeboy, Cedric Winters, Winters, still sitting atop of 21 home runs. Yeah, Cedric, uh, I think, had a home run in our live-streamed game on either Wednesday or Thursday as well. So, you know, he's he's keeping the brand alive, yep. letting the people know what's good. Uh, but what I'm picking up from looking at these leaderboards, leaderboards are not my teammates, even mm -hmm. though Cedric Winters is leading in two of them. Mm -hmm. And it's not even... <laughs> I'm not even looking at, you know, San Bernardino. I'm yep. looking at Randy Myth, who is by himself leading five of the 16 visible categories. Yeah, the uh, the 66ers right fielder is sitting at a very nice 384 average and 983 OBP. Uh, he's leading the league in at-bats with 333. Uh, and is also leading the league in hits at 128 and total bases with 187. And all of this checks out because apparently over the last week, at some point, even though we had talked about Finn Reese's hitting streak, mm -hmm. Randy Myth apparently climbed up to a 33-game hit streak that <laughs> ended before the podcast was able to even notice it. So I think that ties the all-time hit streak record for the minors. Let me go check it out here. But regardless of whether or not he ties it or falls just short, it's really cool to see him at least sniff it. And it's also nice to know that we didn't doom him from it this yes. time. The fact that he approached it and then ended it before we were even able to talk about it just really wrings our hands of the entire situation. Right. Yeah. Which is really nice. And even though he couldn't quite finish out, or even, we don't know yet, but if yep. he couldn't quite finish out, you know, you're still leading in five different categories for batting, so yep. you're fine. And it's an interesting turnaround because uh, Wonder Franco was so dominant for the first half-ish of the season mm -hmm. and was consistently sitting at about a 400 or 430 somewhere in that window at batting average. So Franco yep. must have had a, uh, a bit of a spill in this last week in order to slide underneath 384. Yeah, I think so. And looking at the uh, leaderboards here, Randy Myth did indeed set the record for 33-game hit streak, uh, two above the previous record by Sean Spencer. It's mm. incredibly impressive. Well, that's something he can hang his hat on. Right. 
Um, other interesting things, as you mentioned, Wander Franco, uh, Wonder, Wander, Wonder, Wander Franco, uh, was sitting above 400. He's fallen all the way down to 362, which is still good enough for second in the league. And it's still good enough that no one's going to tell you you suck, which would be <laughs> a great experience to have. That's right. Uh, checking in on the war leader, we've got Tex Walker um, sitting at a 4.7 war, a good bit above Randy Myth at a 4.3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's chugging along with a 336 average, 397 OBP, 549 slug, uh, only 18 home runs and 54 RBIs. But I also say only with some quotation marks. You know, yep. he still shows up on the leaderboard for home runs. So pretty darn good. Looking in on the pitching leaders, we've got, hey, look at that, my GM uh, Knight Rider here, Michael Knight Rider, sitting at a 3.12 ERA which is still daunting, but at least it's not as horrifying as a 177 that I <laughs> have to look forward to in the pros. Very true, but pretty impressive for a rookie. Yeah, it's also interesting looking at this clump of league leaders, how almost monochromatic it is. There's a lot of Chicago and a lot of Kingston. Mm-hmm. The, the Mounties and the Kingpins put together are taking, uh, what is that? 12 no yeah. 10 10 out of the 16 categories yep. which is so, quite a lot yeah them them boys on the mound are doing pretty well there's also three dillos players which is nice uh one oh. of them is leading in walks which is not nice no yeah. not as much but saves is good and strikeouts per nine is very good right and both of those are homura fuji mm-hmm. who is run by irish thunder mm-hmm. uh very active and energetic teammate. He's he's fun to have in the Discord. Awesome. So uh, shout out to Irish. Yeah. Uh, another awesome picture pitcher here is Jack Rolo, um, who is sitting at a 3.2 war and 111 strikeouts. <laughs> right. And he's leading in the walks per strikeout ratio, and he's yeah. leading in whip, and he's leading in FIP. So... I, I don't know. I assume there's a minor league Cy Young winner, uh, and I would I say he's so. comfortably on pace to win that. Yeah, I remember we talked about him last week a bunch as well. Yeah, yeah, he's on pace for 162 strikeouts this year, uh, which is pretty fantastic. And let's see if he's on pace for the record within the minors is at 183. Okay, so, so not quite. Yeah, but, uh, it's who knows? Awesome. If they play the Dillos a bunch, I might help him out. Yeah, you could toss him a couple bones. Donate a few. Yeah. Um, other interesting uh, things within the pitchers. Uh, got a couple, uh, let's see, like Leo Robert is leading in innings pitched in complete games as well as shutouts, which is pretty impressive. Right, and we have a couple of complete game shutouts to talk about, and yeah. uh, one of them was probably him because we have a – Complete game shutout performance by a Chicago pitcher against the San Bernardino 66ers, who are, again, dead. Yep. Dead! Absolutely. And I think that was probably the most impressive of the kind of individual games here. Um, But looking looking into these, we basically got, let's let's start with the first one here. We had Coco McQueen with a uh, complete game shutout, and that was against... The crabs, it looks like. Yep, crabs. He had a five hit, one walk, and 11 strikeout game, which is very impressive. Right. And the five hits are, you know, take them early and whatever. But the yeah. one walk, 11 strikeouts component is powerful. 
yes. potent performance coming out of Coco McQueen. Absolutely. We also had uh, Lemieux uh, from the Raptors had a complete game shutout. Oh, also against the Crabs. Yeah, Crabs are handing out shutouts like hotcakes. Yeah. Uh, let me find, if you want to talk about the next one, I'll try and find that so that we can verify the pitcher here. Sure. Uh, so then the next three all come in a, on the calendar, really short span. Uh, I think all of them might've been on the same SIM day. I'm not hundred percent sure, but August 27th, we have a complete game shut out by Chicago. I don't remember who the pitcher was it's like against Robert. San Bernardino. Probably. Yep. Uh, August 28th, we had a Kansas city Hepcats against Kingston Mountie where Maddox Jr. had a three-hit complete game shutout, so he's taking the junior off his name and fully embracing the role. Yep. And then on August 31st, Detroit's Vaughn had a one-hit complete game shutout, so they so just continue cool. to get more and more impressive as it goes on, other than probably the San Bernardino one is the scariest. Yeah, and the uh, the very near-perfect game, well... Very near no-hit game. So Vaughn had a nine-inning, one-hit, two-walks, and nine-strikeout game, uh, but pretty close to a no-hitter. Yeah. Do you know how many total batters he faced? Because there could have been some double plays in there as well. Hmm. Let me see if I can find that somewhere here. At the very least, it doesn't say that they had any double plays, so... Right. I'm wondering, okay, so it looks like Ruiz is the one who got a hit. I'm curious if that was towards the end of the game, like how long uh, that streak lasted. Right. Well, it looked like Ruiz was fourth in the lineup and had four at-bats. So I think it was a total of 31 batters faced, it looked like. And I, I think one of the walks had to have been on Kashima's leadoff batter i don't know when but he only had three listed at bats and it sure. didn't look like anyone subbed in for him yeah that sounds about maybe, right maybe he got beanballed who knows possible it's possible i don't feel like looking through the game log to find out where that hit was but regardless a very impressive outing right i i am excited for the day that we get to talk about the first no hitter that we see because i have to assume one happens every once in a while it just i would imagine hasn't yet i think i can look and see how many no hitters have happened in the majors which would be interesting okay so i mean even even with the absence of a true no hitter Mm -hmm. the fact that they were in one stream week which is a month ish in game yeah probably a little more whatever yeah there were five complete game shutouts is astounding yeah you know that those don't come that often. Absolutely. Um, looking into the history of no hitters, it looks like there've been around 15 no hitters or so. Um, interestingly enough, one by Ricky Vaughn way back in 2020. Yeah. So he could have, uh, I th- let's see. I think if he had gotten the no hitter, mm-hmm. he would be the only person to have two. Oh, it looks like there's, it looks like there's no other duplicates. I don't think. I think this is a different Ricky Vaughn. This Ricky Vaughn is retired. Oh. Is this the, is Detroit's the ghost of Vaughn or something? I don't know. Let me go double check. Ah, so Ricky Vaughn is spelled differently. I wonder if this is (laughs) uh, the same guy. (laughs) 
Oh, it's Ricky with an IE. My and mistake. A, and then a Vaughn with an E at the end. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> I really hope that it's owned by the same person. They were just too lazy to come up with a different name, so they just spelled it differently. And then over the course of the next like five years of real lifetime, they're just going to have eight different iterations of Ricky Vaughn. Exactly. Uh, so it looks like I just counted up. There were 14 no hitters, and this is just in the major leagues, and there have been four perfect games. So pretty, pretty tall order for us to see one. I mean, mm-hmm. if we pay attention all the time, we'll probably watch one, but uh, not likely to happen. It's true, especially in the minors. It looks like it's only happened three times in the minors with only one perfect game, and two of them by Michael Jordan. Uh, Joden. <laughs> no, it's Michael Jordan, like basketball. You know. <laughs> I guess he did play. <laughs> he he was technically a dual sport athlete. If you kind of like squint your eyes a little yeah. bit and don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. The perfect game was against Amarillo. Perfect. Next topic. Yep. Let's check in on our players. We kind of already checked in on the leaderboards in terms of how our teams are doing, but how is right. Wallaby Hickam's doing? Uh, I think Wallaby is starting to regress towards what he should be at a little bit more. He's climbed from, he was at like a 185 or a 183 or something like that. Now he's above 200. I think he's sitting at near 205, something like that. Sure. Um, and I don't, uh, I don't have the OOTP program. I didn't look at too much i didn't look too in depth but i mean like i have to imagine his fielding stats have gotten better as well because there's especially one game against san bernardino where wallaby participated in five different or no four different double plays yeah absolutely looking at some of your defensive ratings you've played a lot of innings and you have let's see 663 innings and you have been a part of 57 double plays yeah, which is kind of what I wanted to do when I made my character. Um, you know, I I like the idea of just being like a lockdown defender and being okay in the batter's box. So it kind of looks like I'm starting to head towards that build. Um, I still have a 5.25 range, which I think is okay. Yep, and then good. a negative 7.4 zone rating, which again, I don't really understand. But according to... Uh, Shady Shoelace, who, once again, mm-hmm. shout out to him, out to especially you. for the excellent player card he made me. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking with some of his friends, and he said that apparently zone rating is heavily influenced by the defensive performance of the teammates around you as well. Oh. So I don't know what the formula is, but apparently ZR is not purely indicative of yourself, sure. I guess. I would have to assume efficiency probably is, and that's mm-hmm. still... Uh, subpar, but it's mm-hmm. climbed up a ton. I was sitting at like 850 yep. or something awful, yep. and now I'm at 937. So much better. Progress is definitely being made. I'm probably going to have eventually some seasons where I don't underperform. Yeah, I would think so. I also was watching a uh, there's a video by Foolish Baseball talking about defensive metrics within OOTP. Uh, and one of the ones he was talking about is zone rating. Uh, and he said he, he really likes to look at it, but he won't even consider the stat until like three years have gone by. It needs that big of a sample size. And I think that's three years of 162 games. 
Okay, so is it like a, a cumulative one, like war then? I'm not sure if it's cumulative. I think it's still an average, but you just need more of a sample to get a more accurate average, if that makes sense. Okay, I guess I'm, I'm just like, I'm wondering if in our third year, in mm-hmm. the 2041 season, will I start with a ZRR of zero? Oh, no. That's a good question. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I was digging around looking for the formulae specifically for all of these because uh, I know that you have gotten some shout outs from people who enjoyed the defensive part uh, trying to talk about some of the lesser known metrics, but it's really tough to find the formulas. Right. Yeah. And that's, that was like the context of some of the, like the, Hey, I liked listening to this because I don't get it either. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're all in the same boat. Good. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a blind leading the blind situation. Uh, I don't think I'm leading anybody. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm the blind bonking into the blind. We'll try and continue to, uh, you know, try and figure this out. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, if we look at the offensive stats, like I said, I got a 205, just a tick above the Mendoza line. Mm-hmm. Still above. Um, still above, which is okay. Uh, I only have, let's see here, 14 multi-base hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still do somehow have 32 RBIs, but mm-hmm. that is also for sure. I know for a fact it is the lowest on my team, but it's also supposed to be because depending on if we're going against a lefty or a righty starting pitcher, I either bat eighth or ninth. So I should have less exposure. Uh, So it's kind of progressing as I thought it would. Yeah. Uh, With that being said, it looks like I have the, I have the camera of you blocking it a bit, but it looks like my war is negative 1.2 right now. And I have been encouraged by my teammates to not really care about rookie season, especially apparently uh, uh, Kirk Swerve, I think it was, said that he had almost the exact same, not the exact same, almost the same amount of disappointment in his performance as a rookie. But now he's been much better than average. So, you know, it's just a, it's a, I got to give it time to invest TPE and yep. I just got to understand, you know, sometimes RNG rolls one way and oopsie doopsie, you're terrible. Yeah. And to, I think that's a good attitude to have about it because it'd be pretty easy to just be discouraged and then not want to quote unquote play this game anymore. Uh, but yeah, focusing on continuing to earn TPE consistently improving and then the stats will come later. Right. And another thing about like a sim league like this is my mentality going in is a lot different than something like a career mode in Madden or a career mode in an NBA game or something like that. I'm not going in thinking I'm going to be the guy as fast as possible. I'm going in knowing this is an approximately accurate ish simulation of how baseball kind of works. So I'm probably not going to be the guy and I shouldn't expect to be the guy. So I just want to go out there be okay in the batter's box and over the course of the next decade 12 years something like that i'm going to try to scoop up you know three to five gold gloves and then i'll call it a good career that's a good good way to go about it good mindset to have on the other hand i could have had a rookie that in their first season in the minors gets selected to the all-star game hypothetically someone like giuseppe tosin yeah, I was absolutely blown away to be on that list of people in the All-Star game. Unfortunately, I did not play in the All-Star game, but I'll still take the honor of being selected to the team as a rookie. 
Yeah, still great to put on your resume. And it can't be too surprising that a bunch of people don't get playing time because the list was huge. Like, it's a very long list. <laughs> I would say out of everybody in the PBE, if I had to guesstimate, mm-hmm. probably not to water down anybody, especially you sure. who got on the list, I would have to guesstimate that probably something along the lines of a third of the league was voted in. Yeah, I was going to guess like 25%. So some, I, I bet you it's somewhere in between those. It seemed like yeah. the all-star roster was like 30 people per side, per, per division. Right, yeah. And there's, I guess the minors are a little overpopulated because that's where, uh, mm-hmm. that's where players who, they're, that, that's where the humans who run the players mm-hmm. let the players die. There's apparently a bunch of inactive players that are mm-hmm. just kind of filling up spots on the bench, even though yeah. the bench has unlimited spots. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at my, uh, my stats, I'm still sitting at a 3.02 ERA, which is 164 ERA plus, which is absolutely awesome. Great. Um, super, super happy about that. I've got a 1.45 whip, which is okay. A 4.27 FIP, which is not fantastic. Um, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. I've only given up four homers, got 32 strikeouts. Uh, so a lot of really good things uh, coming from him. And, and just looking at his game logs, it seems like I either have a game where I give up like two or three runs in an inning, or I go like two innings and I don't give up anything. Yeah, you're very you're very much the kind of pitcher so far who has been on one of the extremes. Mm-hmm. It's not like you you haven't had a lot of okay games. You had a lot of really good games, and then a couple where you just get shelled. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm I am enjoying the fact that I have four wins, which is a really really awesome meaningless stat. Um, but kind of cool to see. Yeah, yeah. and we also. We've we've played against each other a couple of times so far this year, but for the first time this year, I think Wallaby might have gotten a hit on you. Yes, he absolutely did, and I don't have the specific game up, but if I remember correctly, I faced you. We faced each other twice in that game. I had a struck out swinging, and then you got a single off of me. Right, which is out of two out bats, getting more than approximately half of a hit is far better than I usually do. So I'll definitely take it. I think we've faced each other now in our careers thus far four times. And I think you have like a fly out, two strikeouts and a single. I think that sounds about right. I thought it might've been five plate appearances with one hit, but I mean, either way Mm -hmm. I'm somewhere between like 200 and 250 against you, which is perfectly reasonable, whatever. And we are currently in the middle of a uh, Dillo's Dynamo's series. We played the first game on the last day of uh, yesterday's sim. Uh, so we'll see what happens the next two games. Hopefully we'll see Tosin and Hickams face each other. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun to be able to add to our head-to-head. Uh, with that being so. said, both of us have been contacted by some GMs of majors teams, which for the sake of tampering, I don't know if that's a thing at this stage or not, mm. but we're just, we're just going to keep everything anonymous for a while. Yep. Um, so at some point we might be facing each other less often because we might be moving up into the league that has 14 teams instead of eight. 
Yeah, and I must say, just from a personal experience standpoint, the the experience of having a GM who's an actual person messaging you and asking you about your player and your goals with that player has been one of the coolest experiences in this league so far. Yeah, it's uh, it adds a, a a real element. It adds a human element, and I think it also um, solidifies the fact that you're kind of making the player that you want to because one of the GMs that contacted me said something about, well, what are you looking to get out of your player? And I, I gave him or her my spiel about, well, I basically want to have a stable person in the batter's box. You know, I'm not going to get a bunch of home runs. I just kind of want to get on base and let other people do the heavy lifting and get the glory. But when I'm standing by the bag, I want to lock down, put on the clamps and make it so people are scared to have someone on first. Cause it's like, okay, well, here's a double play. So I told him I want that like infield Ichiro sort of vibe for my career. Mm-hmm. And there's been a couple of questions about, okay, well, would you be flexible to playing other positions? But the fact that I can say I'm second base now, I'd prefer to stay second. I'm considering flexibility with, you know, maybe flip flopping to shortstop or second. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I like the fact that I can say, I don't want to play third. I don't want to play first Yeah, because then the GM knows okay, if he's going for a certain type of character, if he wants his player to do something specific and that doesn't fit in our scheme, we're not going to pick him up. Because then if they pick me up and say, okay, we're just going to have you go to third, mm-hmm. I've invested no money. I have nothing at risk. I can just say, no, thanks. Wallaby's retiring. I'm going to make a new player. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's fun because it's immersive. It's fun because it adds like a human element to it. And it's fun because it kind of, in a weird way, it doesn't diminish from the leverage of you and I can build our players how we want. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I personally am looking forward to the draft, uh, which I assume is coming up at the end of the month real time. Um, I don't know if we have a specific date for it, but I know you and I were watching the minor leagues draft, which we unfortunately had created two, uh, uh, too late to actually be drafted, um, yep. but we were able to watch our players get selected, which was really cool. But I do know that um, it was fun, but I didn't understand what was going on. I wasn't familiar with the teams. I wasn't familiar with what was really going on. So I was kind of flying in blind. So yeah. I think when the majors draft comes around, we've been around long enough. We've watched some streams. We've you know, interacted with the community to the point where we understand a little bit more about what's going on in the league. And so us getting drafted to a specific team will be a little more meaningful. Yeah. And we have context of the players around us. So even when it's not us, if other people get drafted, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That person has done really well and he fits in with that team, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. And it'll be kind of fun to have context for the teams that are picking as well. Because, you know, when, when, when you got signed on waivers on stream by the dynamos, that was kind of sort of fun because Mm -hmm. the dynamos GM had told you, Hey, we're really gearing for this like three ish year window because we think we have a chance with all of the the capital and assets that we've stockpiled to do some Mm -hmm. damage. So that was like kind of fun, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we didn't really have context of the other teams around us. So now whenever this draft comes along and we end up getting picked, it could be like, 
hypothetically just pulling teams out of a hat. It could be something like Giuseppe Tosin has been picked up by the Death Valley Scorpions. Oh, sweet. That's like, I might get a ring really early and help contribute a little bit. And then be like, Wallaby Hickams has been picked up by Kashima Foxes. Damn it! (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It will actually have some meaning to what's happening because we will understand more of the context of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so it, it'll be, it was already immersive because we were still taking part in the draft, but now it'll, it'll add that extra layer because we actually know what's going on around us. There's context for us to either celebrate or lament. And something that I think has been really fun, and I think will continue to be fun. Um, for instance, let's just look at this year, this year in the minors playing on the dynamos, the team has done really, really well. And then has hit a super hard slump, which we've talked about. Yep. Um, but it's fun in a way that I also uh, consume real life sports. I have my teams that I cheer for, but I try and pay a little more attention to the overall storyline of what's going on in the league mm-hmm. and not necessarily staking my enjoyment on whether or not my team does well. This is the only way to survive as a Minnesota sports fan. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same in the league where it's like, ah, it's a huge bummer that we've been, you know, the dynamos have been sliding this whole time, but I'm not sitting here like not enjoying the league because we're not winning, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's two parts. It's the fact that you are able to just like passively enjoy other stuff. Like you're mentioning, just like mm-hmm. for your own sake, keep up with the narrative mm-hmm. and it's other forms of interaction. Like the fact that there's a casino system. Yeah. So I have stuff other than armadillos games. Mm-hmm. that directly impacts me right which is what it's all about finding some sort of way for you to buy into what's happening regardless of if it's your team or other, other things happening you know yeah and there's some amount of you know like figuratively buying in but mm-hmm. then there's actually buying in you know you and i have put a put a non-zero sum of money down on betting on some of these games yeah so with that should we check in on the blow pops best bets Sure thing. Uh, we are already guaranteed to have won at least one of the bets. Uh, the Voyagers are now sitting at 40 wins and 37 losses. Hmm. And because they have accumulated those 37 losses, that means the most that they can possibly do at the end of the season is get to 63 wins. Mm-hmm. 63 and a half was their over-under split. So that one is Ooh. already guaranteed as a victory for us. Awesome. So out of the $2 million that we spent... We get a half million back for the wager and then a half million back as payment for winning the wager. Yep. So right now we are effectively sitting at negative uh, one million waiting to see what else happens. And we do have four more bets that we're still waiting to find the results of, correct? Correct. Uh, as long as one of the three paid bets mm-hmm. goes in our favor, then we're guaranteed to go even. Yep. Uh, the, the free bet that we placed is whatever it's just extra but it can't get us even it can be a little nugget bonus but mm-hmm. uh the paid bets that we have remaining are the nashville stars which mm-hmm. is looking pretty favorable right now the stars are sitting at 38 and 35 which is a respectable 52 percent win rate mm-hmm. but from here on out they have to go 25 and 2 so uh pretty confident they're gonna hit the under the Kingston Mounties are sitting at 34 and 40. And from here on out, they have to go 24 and two. Thanks. So not great. 
the closest one that we have left is one of our paid bets, unfortunately. Mm. And that would be the Kansas City Hepcats, who have made a huge swing from where they were. Yeah. I think in the last uh, 10 games, they've probably won at least eight of them or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I see you pulled up in August. They are 12 mm-hmm. and five. And yeah. in July before that, they are 11 and six. So yeah. huge swing from where they were before. Uh, they are currently 34 and 40 mm-hmm. up until this point in the season, which is a 46% win rate. Mm-hmm. And from here on out, they only need to go 13, 13 with a 50% win rate in order to hit the over. So that's the one at this point that we have placed money on that I yep. obviously feel the least confident about. But uh, the the freebie with the Detroit Demons, mm-hmm. they're 27 and 49. They need to get to 44 wins, but that means they need to go 17 and 7, which mm-hmm. is not outlandish, but right. that's a 71% win rate when so far this season they've been clocking along at 36. So yeah. doesn't look all that likely to happen, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting to look at the Hepcats resurgence because it's basically an inverse of the Dynamos. Right, yeah. Like, almost exactly. <laughs> Which would make more sense if you guys were in the same division. Right. Like, if you, if, <laughs> if you guys were able to eat games off of each other like right. that, it would be a little less surprising. But they're there with me. Yep. Yeah, and you know, clawing their way back into the wild card race, which is pretty awesome. And somehow potentially illegally stealing the Dynamo's mojo. Is that illegal? I would assume so. If it's not illegal, it should be because I'm upset about it. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, shame on you, Kansas City. Yeah. You still have good barbecue though. Yes. But also congratulations on doing super well. I think Enoch is Enoch the GM of the Hepcats. Uh, I don't know if he's the GM, but I do know that he that's that's definitely where his loyalties lie. I know right. there's a lot of reference to him with him. So I, th- I think he is. And if that's the case, congrats, because Enoch is the man. So he is. And even even outside of just Kansas City climbing back up to relevance, mm-hmm. you know, we have we have the 66ers with 55 wins, just bringing it back full circle to the record talk. Yep. But if you look at the armadillos, which are the quote best wildcard team down yep. to the Swifties, which are the quote worst. It's 36 wins compared to 32. It's a tight bundle for the oh, yeah. last playoff spots there. Which is really cool. And especially looking ahead to the last, I mean, how many Sims do we have left? Like four, four or five Sims. I would have to imagine that this upcoming week is probably the last week of regular season, unless they have, you know, like Tuesday of the next week as the final regular season game. But then I feel like that'd be kind of weird because then they just have Tuesday regular season, then Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday as postseason. And I feel like that would feel kind of inorganic. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, So just looking ahead towards the end of the season, because we are getting close to the end of the season, some interesting storylines to watch. I'm thinking uh, the 66ers aren't really interesting because they have all but secured the first seed. Right. And not only have they all but secured the first seed, they have also all but well they've kind of secured hitting the over they can go 10 and 16 from here on out Mm -hmm. but i am not confident that they are going to have a 39 percent win record from here until the end of the season when they've been clicking along at 74 especially when there are no injuries in the game right yeah very good point 
True. Like if we had a bunch of ACLs pop or UCLs pop rather, that makes Yeah, sense. unless we get like six or seven real quick Tommy John surgeries, <laughs> I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I would like to say that that's definitely happening. So within the minors, some interesting stories to watch. Can the Dynamos hang on? And then what in the world is the wild card situation going to look like? I, yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to think that you guys are going to hang on because I think this last you know, 20 game slump mm-hmm. is a slump. I, yeah. I, I'm much more likely to think that 20 games ish of poor performance mm-hmm. is the anomaly as opposed to the previous like 50 games of good performance. Yes. Yeah. So I, I have to imagine that you'll probably revert back to your normal selves at some point. I would think so. And I am very curious to see how this all goes down because looking at the last two months of our schedule, we have a number of series against the Kingpins as well as the Mounties, a couple against the Hepcats. So it's going to get interesting from here on out. Yeah, and it looks like you're done playing San Bernardino, I think, yes, from here on out. So, I believe so. you're you're with your peers now. <laughs> Big thumbs up on that one, which is uh, that's a very nice thing to have to be done with. Right, them. and uh, how about not that the Dillos are in as interesting a position mm-hmm. as the Dynamos, but what, uh, what do the Dillos remaining schedules look like from here? So we, first off, we've already talked about that. You've got the rest of the, uh, the series with uh, us, with the Dynamos. Yep. Um, yep. Other than that, it looks like you've got a, a lot of 66ers, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looks like one, oh two, three, goodness. four series coming up against the 66ers in the next two months. I think that's, yeah, that's 11 games of yeah. San Bernardino. That's a lot. Have you guys played them that much this year? Let's look. Let's see. Say played one series, two series. Oh wow! You guys have only had three series against them so far. Oh, so we're just like super backloaded with them. Ah, uh, yeah, that's what it looks like. Sorry, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. We also have thing- some games against like the Hepcats and the Wheelers and the Mounties and Kingpins are in there too. But yeah, and then like we're underperforming. But if we underperform then uh, maybe we just have a slightly better draft class. Yeah, which would not be the worst thing in the world. Right. And looping it back to the draft again, I do Mm -hmm. appreciate what we've talked about before of, you know, if you're active, you are guaranteed to Mm -hmm. improve the stats of your player, which will hopefully improve the statistical performance of your player. Yep. But all the GMs know this. So the GMs that have reached out to me, like they haven't said anything about my stats. Right. They have talked about the accumulation of TPE for sure. And just double checking. It's like, okay, well, are you probably going to stay active? And it's like, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Dr. K and I have a podcast going on. I'm on pace to be able to buy like really expensive equipment every single season. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, to beef up this dude as much as possible. For sure. And something I didn't think about up until this very moment when you mentioned the draft again, is that in addition to the majors draft in which we're going to be drafted, which is going to be really fun, we're also going to have a minors draft, which means mm-hmm. a bunch of new teammates. Right. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to instead of just go into the draft and have our previous experience, which was a slew of 60 names. And it's like, yep. OK, well, I guess these are the other rookies. Now there's still going to be a slew of 60 names Mm -hmm. but there's probably going to be at least 30 or 40 of them where it's like oh this is the guy who used to do 
you know, whatever, whatever retired player. So it's like, okay, so he knows what he's doing. Or mm-hmm. it's like, okay, she had like an MVP player. Like, yeah. awesome. Now she's on my team. Phenomenal or something. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be going to be a lot of fun looking at uh, here, looking at the majors for the uh, kind of end of the season. It will be interesting. We actually have a little more of a race to see who will get the first or second seed as there are a couple of teams kind of within striking distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that'll that'll all get determined by uh, by the end of the year. And then the draft order will get to determined i have to assume it follows the same protocol as other sports where you know if you win the championship you're last and not yep. just what your record is yep. so we're we're getting pretty close to confirming kashima as the number one overall pick we're not quite there yet but yeah, they're but they're we, looking we can see it pretty from here. yeah you can you can you can smell it from here yeah and uh I did, after getting contacted by some GMs, I'm sure you did the same, I did mm-hmm. sift through a couple of rosters of like, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's check out what their second base and shortstops are looking like for TPE. Yeah. And anybody who had around 13 or 1,400 or more TPE, mm-hmm. in my head, I put them in the bucket of, okay, they might pick me because they're going to need to replace their dude at some point. Right. And then a lot of these lower just by happenstance for the position mm-hmm. i play i think a lot of these lower seated teams have second baseman and shortstops that are sitting in something around like the five to seven hundred tpe range mm-hmm. so i kind of checked off a lot of these teams off of my list because mm-hmm. why why would you get another second baseman sure. if your second baseman and your shortstop probably have another like seven or eight seasons left unless they happen to be inactive i don't know if you checked that but because if you had like wow. a 600 TPE inactive, if you had, a, you know, an up and comer like yourself, you could draft them, let them sit, you know, keep you in the minors for another year or two until you max out TPE there. Uh, and then hope that you can take over for that inactive player soon. Right. I just assumed that for a lot of those teams, especially the ones that have lower TPE totals, yep. I just operate under the assumption that there are other more urgent holes to fill than somebody who's just going to sit at like a static 700 for the next five seasons or something like that. Whereas if there's a team that hypothetically has a second baseman at 1500, they're going to look for a replacement soon because that person is going to fall off of a cliff. I was uh, talking with one of the GMs that messaged me and I, Mm -hmm. until I asked him or her this, I, I didn't actually really have a, solid understanding of how regression works but apparently the way that regression works and if this is redundant for you sorry this will be redundant for the audience sorry yeah. <laughs> uh is your draft class is not when you enter the minors your draft class is when you are picked by a majors team so you and i are about to be picked in this draft probably yep so we will be draft class uh season 24 right regression kicks in for your 10th season after your majors draft. Mm. So season 33 will be our first regression season because it'll be Mm. our 10th season as a majors eligible player. And at the beginning of each season, in order, your first, second, third, blah, 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 regression seasons, you lose 12% of the TPE you have accumulated, Mm. then 15%, then 20 then 25, then 30, 40, 50, 60, and then 75% for the rest of time. Wow. So it ends up being, you know, like hugely punishing as it should be because Mm -hmm. 
your character gets old. It's a simulation of aging, basically. But what it's telling me is like anybody who's got like 1500, 1300, that window of TP, they're Mm -hmm. probably at least season like nine ish. So they're going to start losing hundreds of TPE at the start of seasons. So they're going to need to, to plug those holes at some point. And with you, there's almost like, I want to be a second baseman. Mm -hmm. I would consider being a shortstop. You want to be a starting pitcher. You're Mm -hmm. currently a reliever. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some flexibility with you, but to some extent, there's almost more flexibility because, you know, I'm a, I'm a infielder. It's not like they can put me behind the plate and it's probably not a good idea to put me in the outfield. To some extent, a lot of the pitchers are the same. Obviously if you're a like absolute heat slinging closer, Mm -hmm. you're going to give yourself probably bad stamina because you're going to go out there and you're going to throw 12 pitches at 400 miles an hour (laughs) and then sleep for a month and a half. Yes. Yeah. One of the conversations that I had with one of the GMs was very interesting in that I, you know, he asked me what I was looking for with my player. And I was thinking, you know, I would love to see him be a a starting pitcher, you know, pitcher of the year would be an awesome goal to have. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically would just like to have a a really respectable career as a starter. And I kind of asked what, uh, what his philosophy was on that. And he basically said all of their pitchers are starters they just, when they come into the league, when they finally get called up, they start as relievers until they have enough TPE to be viable as starters. Okay. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I wonder if like, now, now is that um, everyone wants to be a starter? So they start as reliever and become starter? Or is it everyone eventually becomes a starter no matter what? Because I, yeah. I bet you'd still, if you want, you mm-hmm. probably could become the absolute flamethrower and just give yourself garbo stamina right and just say hey thanks for contacting me i'm gonna throw 400 miles an hour five times a game once a month right (laughs) sign here please i would like five billion (laughs) dollars i think that's excessive (laughs) speaking of money (laughs) well i mean you can you can say whatever you want in the negotiation phase they just might counter offer with something that you really don't like (laughs) But I, I am curious as to what like the financial structure of teams are. You know, like mm-hmm. do teams that perform better have mm-hmm. more money to throw around? Because baseball is a no cap league. Right. So that's kind of how it works in the real world. But mm-hmm. if that's how it works in PBE, then sloths and the scorpions and the rougarous are, you know, like they're kind of set to be just like stuck at yeah. really good for a long time if they keep getting money to spend. So I, I wonder if there is a cap in place or if there is like a universal income that teams have, you know? I do believe there is a salary cap. I remember seeing that somewhere. If you're listening to this podcast still and you know about the salary cap, hit one of us up on Discord and you can educate us. Otherwise, we can do some research on it. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast still, why? Yeah, I mean... Do, some, do something else. We can't give you this time back. This is non-refundable product. But, I mean... You know, I will say thank you to everyone who is hanging out with us and has hung out with us for an hour. Oh, absolutely. Also, why? Yeah. Come on. What are you doing? Should we give them time to turn this off? <laughs> do we need to give them time to do that when they just oh, do oh. that on their own? <laughs> oh, my word. Anyways, Blow Pop, do you have anything else you want to talk about today? 
Uh, I guess I would just say uh, thanks to the community for being so welcoming and helpful, you know, especially people like Enoch for yep. never sleeping and answering any questions that people <laughs> might have. Uh, I'm looking yep. forward to next season for a few reasons. One, mm -hmm. as I'm sure you'll agree with me on all of these points. One, yep. it'll be really fun to be in the draft process, as we yep. already talked about. Oh, yeah. Two, starting next season, we can uh, dump a million a week to get two extra TPE instead of mm -hmm. three, we'll go to five. Yep. Uh, three, every season we'll be able to just drop a fat brick of cash and pick up Hall of Fame equipment. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the escalation of our players and watching what Giuseppe and Wallaby turn into in their sophomore seasons. It should be interesting to see some probably pretty rapid development. Yeah, I totally agree and echo all of those sentiments. It'll be really fun uh, to see some faster improvement and to see kind of what they become in the sim. Yeah, and uh, before we even get there, it'll be cool to see what the playoff experience is like, regardless of whether or not we are in it and regardless of which league we are watching. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, once again, I want to say thank you to all of you who hung out with us for this hour. We are sorry. I want to thank you to all of our devoted listeners and subscribers. There are none. And as always, we will see you next week. The 66ers are dead! Go Dillos. <laughs>